Good morning. If you follow uh, Pink Menno on Twitter, this is the LGBTQ advocacy arm of our Mennonite church, you may have seen them post the article about Reverend Peter Beeson, who is a Lutheran pastor who formally transitioned to male gender identity after having been assigned female at birth. I don't know if Lutherans use christening terminology, but certainly Peter received a new name and was blessed and consecrated to honor honor his true gender identity, to acknowledge his ongoing life and ministry that will be with the same heart and mind and body, but now aligned with the truth of what God has called him to be. Unlike those of us me, for example, whose genders align with the one that, God, that has been assumed since our births, trans people or those who don't fit into neat gender or orientation categories, who are agender or genderqueer, or don't neatly fit in some way that many of us typically think about, those folks are in a position to have to wrestle with identity in a very real way. Many are practiced in self-scrutiny and discernment because when you recognize a dissonance between yourself from the expectation what everyone around you has of you, when you understand yourself so differently than what the expectation is that has been thrust upon you, you have to make sense of that. And like Peter, who was blessed with a new name, That new name is a symbol of true identity and calling. Throughout Lent, we hear stories from the Hebrew Bible about God's calling and covenanting, about God's promise for a way forward in love, God's writing within us, God creating new paths before us and a path for God's people. And today we hear about God's people, Abraham and Sarah. They accept their true identities as given to them by God. They receive God's promise to remain with them and all generations after them, stretching out like those scarves into the future. When God first says to Abram and Sarai that they will become father and mother to nations and people beyond number, they laugh. Abram, meeting God in the beginning of this text, falls on his face in worship and reverence before God, prostrate. But by the end, he is prostrate with laughter. Bodies like these? Impossible. Ridiculous. I invite you to imagine someone that you know who is in their 90s. Most of us know at least one person. My grandmother is 94. People who are 94 have already mothered generations. My own grandmother is mother to five, grandmother to 13, great-grandmother to 10, and great-great-grandmother to one. Her spouse and sister have already been dead for decades. At 94, 
My grandmother and her peers are attending funerals, not baby dedications. If I imagine somebody in the body of my grandmother being told by God, you will bear a child and nations will come from you, um, LOL God. (laughs) Uh, Not this body. This body will determine what it can and can't do. It will determine who I am. We think so. We are in our bodies, but we are not determined by them. God knows who we truly are. God marks the promise, that ridiculous and impossible and true promise. And that renewed covenant with Abraham and Sarah with new names. New names for a new identity. The true thing to which they are called. No longer will you be called Abram, respected parent, but Abraham, progenitor of multitudes. And as for Sarai, her name will now be Sarah, noble woman. I will bless her and I will give you a child by her. New names for God's work that will be embodied. God's own name and embodiment in this story is also significant. The way God is introduced, the way God's self is introduced, is by the name El Shaddai. And more than just a heartfelt praise song by pop icon Amy Grant. It is often mistranslated, and in fact, Mike read from the NRSV, it is often mistranslated as God Almighty or Almighty God. Not because God isn't mighty, God is mighty, but because I think the more accurate translation will make people super uncomfortable. In the Inclusive Bible, Genesis 17:1 reads, when, Abraham, when Abram was 99 years old, God appeared and said, I am the breasted one. How does that make you feel? (laughs) This is God who is a fertility God. El Shaddai, even if not specifically referring to God with literal breasts, at the very least, this is a God who is a God of fertility and nurture. This name for God, as it continues throughout the Old Testament, to be u- is used in relation to fertility and blessing. It took me less than a minute of like sticking this into my like Bible app to find that all of the almost all of the references with El Shaddai are about bearing children or not bearing children or blessing or being blessed with family or not being blessed by family. For example, in Genesis 35, by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with the blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. And on the flip side, in the story of Ruth and Naomi, Ruth renames herself Mara, bitterness. She says, El Shaddai has done her wrong. She feels like her fertility has been cut off 
at the death of her sons. This is the God, a God who is, at the very least, androgynous. A God who is gender nonconforming and has sovereignty over our humanity. And this queerly self-identified God gives new names to the old bodies who will give life to a new generation. Many of you know that the high school youth are working through a curriculum called Our Whole Lives. O-W-L or OWL. OWL treats sexuality comprehensively and compassionately and explores not just the how babies get made, physiology, which, by the way, according to OWL, Abraham and Sarah would not have been able to make babies. (laughs) But it also looks at relationships and intimacy and safety and justice and identity. And I have found it interesting and rewarding to explore these issues with our young people. And by far, the most engaging session to me so far has been with a panel of queer-identified adults in our congregation, or connected to our congregation. And hearing people's stories about how they came to name their gender identities and sexual orientations was so beautiful. I feel so grateful to the folks who shared their stories and were vulnerable and beautiful in that context. Thank you. But these were not stories that were without pain. Some of the most vulnerable and painful experiences that we were witness to were related to the stress of being rejected because of gender identity or being continually and often intentionally misgendered. For those of us who are cisgender, that is, who identify as the gender that we were assigned at birth and whose gender identity clearly matches the way we, gender, the way we identify, so I am cis, female, and femme. I look like a girl, I am a girl. It can be really hard for us to understand the pain of being misidentified, particularly after a long struggle to discern and accept and name one's true identity. It cuts really deep. It cuts especially deep when misgendering or misnaming or non-acceptance of gender identity is by one's most beloved within one's family or community. Accepting and affirming gender, including the names and pronouns that people use, that are claimed by each person in our community is a way that we live into our calling to extravagant and radical hospitality. Even if we think it's weird, even if it makes us uncomfortable, even if we think that's not really a thing. It's a thing. It is everything to create safe space when queer and gender nonconforming people are among us. Reverend Beeson, Reverend Peter Beeson, said about his renaming ceremony in which he was blessed by his congregation and his bishop, it was powerful to hear the congregation recommit to their long history of inclusion and promise to be a safe and welcoming congregation for all people who are seeking a Christian community. 
To be able to be called he means a lot for when most of his life he was identified and called by a name and pronoun that did not truly match his own. As a pet owner, and of course as a parent, I know the responsibility and gravity of giving giving a name to a living thing. It took a couple tries in my family to name the most recent addition to our pet addition to our family. I have heard a couple of parents of trans kids say that while they fully love and accept and affirm their trans kids, the one thing they grieve just a little bit is the loss of the name they chose for their child. But they also know that for their children to live into their full selves, they needed to have names that tell the story of who they truly are. We don't have many examples of people doing this well. We do have Abraham and Sarah as our ancestors in faith. A faith in a God who can do amazing things with these frail and resilient human bodies that we have been given. A God who names us and calls us by our names. A God who blesses us and who took on the form of a human body in Jesus to be more fully present with us. And we have Abraham and Sarah as our models for laughter-filled, joyful, incredulous acceptance of all God can do when we are willing to open our hearts to names that are true. May it be so. 